All right, you guys, welcome to this episode of The Outrun Show. Uh, today, we are talking about ramping up your training um, once you've stopped. So let's say you've had an injury or you've just been busy with life. Life gets in the way sometimes, right? Other mm -hmm. priorities, you lose focus, and maybe you're at a particular level, or you were even sedentary and really very passive about your training, and you just want to get better, you want to grow, and you want to take things to the next level, but you've been stagnant for a while maybe a couple months long enough that maybe you've lost some skills or you need to throw so you need to take some caution when getting back into things so yep. how how do you guys approach getting back into training maybe the first question is when do you know that you've been sedentary for long enough that you need to take a different approach to getting back into training i got a great answer to that one it's when you get back into training and something that should have been easy for you is like not so easy uh, like you're like oh yeah i used to hit this jump this used to be in my like fun little jump that i'd come into the gym and i would hit as like part of my warm-up mm. and then like you go into the gym and you like do a little warm-up and then you go for the jump and you like biff it mm. not like biff it hard but you just like you know you short it or whatever it feels a little bit or you hit it and you're just like stiff and you're like oh because the biggest thing is that you're always gonna feel up here that like in your mind that you didn't lose much right you consciously know, like, oh, I've been stagnant, I, I haven't been training, so I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll need to, like, you know, brush the rust off a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in your mind, you're always going to be at that level. But your body atrophies very fast. I mean, what is, it's like two weeks is, yeah. is, is like that timeline that if, like, you haven't used that muscle group in a similar capacity in two weeks, you are atrophy. You are now actually losing muscle mass. From that so like if you're like oh yeah i haven't jumped in like you know a month or so your quads quite literally aren't the same as they were right before right right and so like even though in your head you're like i know i could hit a nine foot six broad jump or whatever you can't anymore <laughs> right you just don't have the that same tissue strength that you used to so that's the big thing right it's like once you notice those discrepancies when you uh -huh. come back that's when you know like oh I've been gone too long. To, to be honest, I would even say that sometimes I use that as a measurement of if I am semi-consistently training, use it as a measurement to understand that I'm sick or like not well. Like if I have yeah. something coming on, uh, like a bug or something, dare I, dare I say that in this era, <laughs> um, then I go to jump and I say, oh, the power's not there. It's like kind of your body telling you, hey, you know, there's, a, there's some kind of disconnect here. Yeah, for sure. So it's... Especially what, what are your like big key indicators before you come back to training? I guess you just look at you just look at like your past couple of weeks of activity and if your past couple of weeks of activity. Yeah. I, I would say that you've been stagnant if you haven't done any sort of um, active play or active training in in two to four weeks. Like yeah. if that like most people might consider uh, like a stagnant period as like oh all summer I was busy working and that was my but for me, I think depending on your level of athleticism, it could be as short as, as two weeks. Like if you haven't trained in two weeks, that's a stagnant period for you. And you need to reset and ramp back up before you start getting back into like the heavy stuff. Obviously, if you're like 13 years old, there's not a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, just a be, day. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not going to atrophy as yeah. much when you're that young because your body's constantly growing. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, the, the net gain is going to be higher than than what you would lose in atrophy. Right. So there also, is a bit of that. with younger athletes, the the adaptation, there's still so much growth going on. 
that they probably haven't trained them. Like what you were talking about earlier, one of the things that um, uh, most most 13 year olds don't have nine foot broad jumps. So a lot of that too is that they're they haven't trained to a higher level, and so they don't they don't have those expectations. They're not attempting those things because mm -hmm. they just have never been there before in many ways. And so one of the one of the double edged one of the aspects of a double edged sword of getting better is that when you come back in, and I even see this with our athletes when they just unlock one skill and one lesson that took them the entire lesson to get to, and they come back the next lesson a week later without practicing it in between and without doing anything to sort of like deload that level of effort coming back in and attempting with little to no warm up to get what they spent an hour working up to. And just because the, you know, sort of all systems were in play, they unlocked that skill once, they expect to have it like an achievement in a video game or something where once you unlock it, it's just yours to always call on. <laughs> it's a on. skill. Yeah. You've unlocked that, that skill tree now yes. and you always can access it by pushing these certain keys. Yes. Yeah, it just... It, it doesn't work that way. The body doesn't work that way. Sounds great. It does. It does sound great, but maybe maybe in the um, the the bio future that we have where, you know, the cyberpunk future, Justin, yep. you can have, an, you have legs that, that have skill trees. Yeah. That would be great. We are talking about that though, but... Having muscle soreness is such a great feeling afterwards, and if you have robo legs, that's true. Having the, muscle soreness is a great feeling. It afterwards. is. So it really good, is. Man. Yeah. It's like a deep massage, man. It's like a massage. You're like, ah, oh, that feels good. <laughs> you know that groan you do when you're on the massage table, and she's like, elbowing like your shoulder, like underneath your shoulder blade. Those are cries for help. <laughs> for me that's like help like it's not yeah wow that's it. we experience pain differently i think but yeah <laughs> but no that's cool i'm i i know the like i actually don't like the second the second or third i don't like delayed onset morna so excuse me doms delayed onset um, muscle soreness and i don't like i actually don't like coming like down the stairs in feeling like I got quote unquote a, a workout. I don't what? like that feeling at all. You don't all. like sitting down on the toilet and you're dude you're just like ah oh, yeah. so much. No, that's great, dude. Oh, I, no, I, I, love that. I love that feeling. Sometimes like in the mornings, like you know, because I'm a regular guy, so it's like I wake up ten minutes, I'm in the bathroom. You know, whatever time <laughs> I wake up, ten minutes from then, I'm in the bathroom. Uh, um, and like sometimes, yeah, I just like I go to sit on the toilet. Like my quads or my hamstrings yeah. are just so fried that I just I go to like a like a nice forty five degree bend and I just don't call. <laughs> <laughs> Man, That's so I didn't think. And that. then I have to like you know because I got a squatty putty I have to like grab my knee. Yeah, and lift it. Yeah, and lift it and then like and then I'm so I'm now you need. I like. That. I didn't know this was a demand. Now you can on your product research um, page start working on a spring loaded receiving toilet oh, seat. Yeah, where it sits right, up. so that you can yeah, load and land. <laughs> I guarantee you there is a demand for that. Um, the. No, like I think for it might, me, it might resonate with a market that you're not looking for. <laughs> <laughs> for me, the, the, the pain of recovery just means that I feel like it's going to take me longer to warm up, to, to train again, to move again. And then it's not necessarily that the pain itself is like unbearable or anything. It's just like, I'm like, oh man, if I know if I go and train right now, I'm going to have to warm up extra hard uh, and then get to get to be like, into that flow state, you know what I mean? It just feels like that delayed onset muscle soreness feels like an it's like waiting in line to get on the ride. I'm like, oh, get energy, recover, come on. All right, let's go, right? Like that's how I feel about it more so than hmm. that feedback of, 
But that's a very cool thing you guys point out because I think a lot of people, and I, you guys are beyond this in, in maturity for sure, but a lot of people use how much pain they're in as a marker for whether they worked hard enough when they trained or whether they, you know, yeah. really got, quote yeah. unquote, got a workout. It's, it's a problem I run into a lot with earlier adult students where the focus of, of our programs for adults is really centered around longevity of movement, not necessarily a booty boot camp where you're trying to like feel the burn in your booty, right? So it's like, that's different than, than what we're doing. And it's a lot of skill work and a lot of neurological work where we're trying to keep the right amount of stimulus for the nervous system. So when people come in early on, they're like, well, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like I got a workout. And that's, that's tough because if your coach does it right, you know, the stimulus might not be noticed to you physically. There won't be, there won't yeah. be pain, especially early on. There's always some acclimation that can occur if you have really um, atrophied or like, you know, underused muscles, but really that, that you shouldn't be experiencing a ton of pain, a ton of pain. So let's talk about that real quick. When you come back to a workout, if you experience pain, what is acceptable and what is different? Because the type of pain that you guys are talking about, which comes from just getting potentially a really challenging uh, training session in two days prior, um, which it's natural to invoke some of that inflammatory response because that's what helps the body signal growth and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, I, I can't sit down at all, or like what's the right kind of pain when you're coming back? Or is there a I right feel like if, it's, if you, if uh, in your own definition, you're categorizing it as pain, then I think that's enough. If it's like yeah. uncomfortable and annoying and debilitating, then it's pain. And if I can't do the things that I wanna do, it's pain. But mm. soreness is just like, oh, the things that I wanna do make me laugh because they hurt so much. Mm. That's like but do you also have that weird response? Like you get the pain makes you laugh. Like yeah. God, yeah, we're yeah. wired differently. It's like, it's like sure. when, when, when you guys get your blood drawn, like I, I've noticed that there's like, there's three responses. There's people who are just like, because they like stoic, channel the, right. the stoicism. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who laugh and then yeah. there's people who cry. Mm. Um, I laugh because I'm crying or I cry because I'm laughing. I'm not really yeah. sure, but it like has such just a weird feeling to me mm. that it like, that it makes me giggle. Mm. Um, not like some sort of dark magician way. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I just like, I, it, it tickles inside my arm. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like, yeah, it's like it's like that, right? Like the, the pain of muscle soreness is like, it, it makes me giddy. Uh, but okay. I was gonna yeah. say, just like Justin was saying, like it's it's dependent on you, right? What we, what we do know is that, that everybody's nervous system is a little bit different and, mm -hmm. and pain tolerances can vary widely between people. Um, and ultimately, if it hurts you and you would categorize that as pain, that's, that's too much. Mm -hmm. And it's important to note that, that when, when you feel pain, movement patterns change immediately, right? Like your, yeah. your brain is wired to avoid pain. So if you would categorize something as painful, especially like post-workout, and then it's like, like if your calves are so sore that you can't walk, but you got to go hiking with like, you know, some family and friends. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible idea. Even though people are like, oh, it's good to get some blood flow in the calves. It's a bad idea because your movement patterns, that entire hike are going to be, are different because your body's going to be wired. I mean, constantly trying to find mm -hmm. a new way to move without pain. Yeah. Right. So if you're, if you do train that way 
and you hit that pain point, you need to know that like, ah, oh, that was that was too much for me. And it, it's it's definitely a, like a self-rating scale. If you sit on the toilet and you, and you're not like, <laughs> I'm sorry, that hurt. Yeah. Um, and you're like giddy about it and happy or just like, oh yeah, oh that was good. And you're like, oh my god, that was that's too much it's like i gotta i gotta put my hands here and hold myself up when mm-hmm. i'm on the toilet mm-hmm. and you're categorizing that as pain then you know your your past training session was too much yeah and i think that i can i can get that feeling of well giggling like i definitely when you say like the when you when i think about more as like goku then yes i can definitely enjoy just having like crushed a session and then a couple of days later, being like a little bit mangled from it, but that's more like pride of like having gone endured. to battle and endured it. And then I come out and I'm just like, hmm, yes, I'm I hurt, but I understand why, you know. But again, it's one of those things where if I were to like, you know, um, eat something and then feel that way, I would call nine one one, right? <laughs> like it's not, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it's not like like if I went out and like a like a like a sandwich gave that to me, <laughs> then. Or if I ate some tacos and I had that feeling, I would be like, wow, let's, uh, let's call poison control or something like that. Or maybe I, right. That's, that's different. I think it's knowing the intention, which leads me to the other thing that was, that I was, that you made me think of when you were talking about that. It's just how, like, why are you returning to training? Right? So if you, if you, if you have been sedentary for a while and something came up in life that maybe was a distraction from that, um, was it just that you were just playing too many video games and kind of got lazy or was it a scenario where you had something happening to you in life that required more focus or attention, right? A life event. And then now you're coming back. You have to also be conscious of what you're doing and doing to your body in response to the reason for returning to training. Because there's been plenty of times where I think me returning to training has been like kind of like, like pseudo like self abusive, right? Meaning you're like, Oh, I've been, I've been out for two months and I just need to like smash the, the lazy out of me from the past two months. So you're like trying to stack all of two months into this one workout. Is that what yeah. You mean? I, or like there's that, that would probably be the most benign, but like also like sometimes like I can remember when I was, I had like a girlfriend break up with me or something like that. And I was maybe late teens, early twenties. And I was just like training super hard because I felt like I was angry at the situation and maybe I felt a little bit like I wasn't um, good enough deep down. I don't know if I would have admitted that at that point, but I was like, oh man, I'm just gonna go like, we're just gonna crush this workout. If I hurt, it doesn't matter because this is whatever. And then I just remember pulling muscles and stuff and just, or even if you would have come out of that with uh, being better, is I don't know if that's the right way to go into something. So you have to ask yourself, like when you're getting back into training, like what is the mind? Cause you can code some, messed up stuff in your head then you go on and train later on in life doing a similar in a similar modality and then you start you're like well i don't have a good relationship with training i don't like to train but you don't realize the reason you don't like to train was because you trained because you trained yourself out of a a tough relationship or in response Mm -hmm. to um survival from something like you know what like maybe you were training a particular way and that's when you had to go to battle or something. I know I'm drawing from experience I don't have, but now you have some association there. That's reasonable to have some association with that training that is negative. And so you want to make sure that when you train, you're training for the right reasons, you're coming back for the right reasons, and that's to get better or to overcome something. And then that way you don't have those negative associations because it's more than just like some sort of like subconscious thing. Like you should be training to get better and to feel better and be happier, not to because you're judging yourself. And I think a lot of people go back into training and they want to feel that pain 
are associating that with sort of the price they pay for perceiving themselves as being lazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're. Mm-hmm. So I worry about worry about that. So number one, check your reason. Check your reason for coming back or getting into something if you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you trying to prove something to someone else? Are you trying to prove something to yourself that's negative, or is there a good reason for you to be training? Well, and there's a difference too between like um, using that that negative feeling for a positive and saturating in that negative, right? Like if she had broken up with you because um, you were whatever, right? You had a personality flaw, and then you Many. went and you were like reading books. <laughs> Didn't we all? When we were young, right? <laughs> right. Um, and then you were like reading books, and you're like, I'm gonna learn how to be a better person because I was such a crappy person, right? Like right. that's taking negative feelings right. and negative feedback and turning it towards a positive. And that could be a, a good reason if you're like, you know what? Yeah, I was like, I was training with some guys and they just outclassed me left and right. And that made me feel bad mm-hmm. because these were like people I started with or maybe even worse. These are people that I started mm-hmm. training, you know, like I was experienced and they came to me and now they're outclassing me. And that's a negative feeling. You can use that to a positive to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it hard. I'm going to get better. I'm going to improve and I'm going to come yeah. back and I'm going to match these guys. That's, right. a, that's a negative turning towards a positive. Yeah, right? I agree. That's a good way. But if you're just like, oh, I suck, and I just got to beat myself up, and then if I, yeah. I just, I'm the worst, right? Like, yeah. that's that's what you're talking about, right? It's, that's not cool. It's not cool. It's sick. And I think that's where we see a lot of the, behavior, the self-deprecating behavior that we see sometimes with younger athletes who are really, like, just beating themselves up over a move is because their expectations of themselves are, are coming from a negative positioning, a negative framing in their head, right? You mm-hmm. definitely can... You know, if you're a really healthy mindset and you get a little bit challenged, you can spin that really quick to a positive motivation, like you're talking about to train. But if you're if you're if your foundation, if your psychological foundation is that fragile, or and you don't maybe you do or you don't realize it, then your focus needs to be first on building a healthy relationship with training, like the right reasons, which is growth, discovery, happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you if that's where you feel like you train 80% of the time you train, you're training for that reason and you're in touch with that place and you're in your own mindset, then you're good to go. You can use a lot of different motivators that other people might consider to be negative motivators and flip that into something positive. I think that's definitely a go-to mindset, not to make that reference again, but I, th- I feel like that's something, you know, it's a good filter. Would Goku train for that reason, right? <laughs> it's pretty solid. Like, it's a pretty solid archetype, so I'm down with it. Um, the, uh, if you're, now if you're someone and that's, and that's what started, you still have time to sort of adjust your, your motivations. Don't think just because that's what kicked it off, it kicked off your training and that's what got you into it, that you can't adapt and change. So if you are somebody who's listening and you're like, oh wait, you just self-realized I did want to start training because of this. There are deep and valuable reasons to train and if you've started, you can just shift your perspective, you know what I mean? Adjust your expectations and adjust your reasons for training. So getting back into things, specifically now that we've kind of talked about um, some of, so the early warning things is like, your performance isn't what it used to be, right? Um, I would say also when you come back into things, it makes sense to sort of tamp down your, your level of effort, LOE, right? Your level of effort in how you approach things. A lot of good strength professionals right now are talking about instead of benchmarking with uh, literal like numbers and metrics, which is good to collect that data over time. But especially when you're getting back into something, you may want to approach like a level of one to ten effort, right? When you go in to train, or when you go through a session, be like, all right, well, I'm kind of getting back into things, so I'm going to hang out around 
you know, and I'm just gonna hang out there. Maybe if I feel good about something for a few sessions, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump that up to 60, 70%, just to see what the downstream effect of that is on recovery. Mm-hmm. Because two or three or four days down the road, you might have something soft tissue inflammation wise start to emerge, and then you're like, oh, it's too late. You know what I mean? Because your muscles are gonna maybe be able to handle it the first day, and your uh, your nervous system and your brain may even be able to fire on that stuff and get your changed muscles, like for the negative changed, um, back doing what you were doing before. But then your recovery is horrible. So you gotta look at what recovery looks like. And oftentimes, I think people feel very binary. They go back, they train, they get, they get, it, they get a bad negative response to it on the recovery side, and they're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I can't train, I can't train this way anymore because I'm, I'm too old or I'm too injured or whatever. I can't, I can't train that. Colin, I don't know what your chop even means, bro. Not for you. <laughs> I thought Colin was bugging me about time, and in his own head, he's like, he's beating himself up about recovery. He's like, come on, come on, Cap. Like, he's even chopping the part of his body that has problems. <laughs> he's like, you will improve. And the, will on the right side, he's not chopping improve. hard. He's, he's like, chopping his he's ankles. Like giving him micro he's like, he's like, like, we're going to... He's like, I'm just going to, like, once we're alone, Cap. Once you're alone, Cap, I'm gonna show you who's boss. All right, yeah, just just think about what place you're coming from when you train, Colin. All right, so, so that's a that's a perfect example. Is like you just need to find the level of effort and be humble enough. And this is where I think some of the humility stuff comes in to to be able to be willing to train at that, to be able to train light jumping, to be able to train jumping on a softer surface. So you can build that volume back up, and that's what you're trying to get back to that to that ability to work at that level. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's important to note too that like you coming back to training, you don't always have to have like an exercise or a focus, right? Like sometimes if you're like you're coming back to it, it's okay to just go to your training spot or your gym and just float for your first couple of sessions. Just be like, you know what, I'm gonna hit some like some small precisions or small jumps or I'm gonna lift a couple of weights that I know are super easy for me with like a high rep volume, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they're super light. And I'm gonna call it, like that's it, right? I'm just gonna come in, I'm gonna feel it, and then I'm gonna leave. That's that's probably better for you than coming in with a focus, mm-hmm. um, assuming you're the type that doesn't need like a rigid program mm-hmm. to keep to you keep inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, How many people yeah. have you actually seen I want to just I want to establish <laughs> that as a virtue because how many people have you act? We all know that's the right thing to do. How many people do you think you've witnessed actually taking that approach? How common is that? Ooh. Um, yeah, it's pretty uncommon. I think the people that do do that are the ones that just don't know how to program for themselves. And so they're just like, I don't know what to do. So I end up just floating around. So they do it, but not out of intention, but out mm. of just ignorance. Accident, just sort of accidentally, yeah, just they like, didn't go I, that hard. I, I don't really know what to do, and yeah. I know that I need to get back into it, so I'm just gonna like do stuff, I guess. They accidentally did the right thing. They accidentally did the right thing, which is still better than intentionally doing the wrong thing, right. or accidentally doing the wrong thing. So, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's definitely an uncommon trait. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I'm like somebody who who needs that, like a rigid program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always program my first couple of weeks of a cycle to be, you know, like building an in intensity, and then you know if it's six week cycles, week three and four tend to be my highest intensities, mm-hmm. or week three and week five are my highest with four is like a little bit of a deal, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I know that about me. If you don't know about that, that about you, then... That's to be discovered. You should that's something to be discovered. 
I know Justin like doesn't doesn't program his workouts, or maybe that's changed in past years. But Justin just goes in and he's like, "Today's a four hundred deadlift day." That's just what it is. <laughs> this is what it is. No, he just yeah. summons. He just like like spirit no. bomb summons the energies from the universe. <laughs> no, yeah, mine's all effort based. Yeah, sure. I agree. I'm definitely on level effort. It's but I fun. do have some like programming. Like I will follow, try and follow a program. But what's what's different is I'll deviate. Like if it's if I if it's a if I get into my like just yesterday I was working on like some stretching with the butterflies on like the that butterfly stretch where you put your feet together and then your your knees are on the outside and I was working on opening up um, opening up that stretch and I got into my second set and stuff was feeling really fatigued and really achy and painful and and in the past I might have been like I'm pushing through it right but but I was like. Nope, the goal is for this stretch not to feel painful and me to have this range of motion because there's not something to be achieved here. It's not like if my knees touch the ground right now that some like like balloons drop and I get an award, right? Yeah. The reward is being able to do the movement without yeah, without without, without that pain. Right, exactly. Um, so how so when you do I like them the level of effort measure because I'm I'm that way too, but how do you then know you're doing enough or whatever it's just it's just how you feel that day because sometimes you go into a session and you don't feel like you can do much and you get in there and you feel like you can do a lot because it can go the other direction too you know what mm -hmm. i mean you're all pumped up you're training with your yeah. buddies you haven't been doing it for a while everything feels really good and your level of effort doesn't feel like it's that bad but you know you've just done a two-hour session and you haven't done anything for a month or two prior yeah you know that that's going to come around and bite you right like your first session shouldn't be a you know high output two hours of training high yeah. impact right? yeah I, i'm probably the worst person to to answer that the i just recovery. always have a cap on my effort <laughs> doesn't matter how good i'm feeling maybe i'm just not going to go past 75 i feel like that's the number i don't know if it's actually what it is or not mm. but you know if something requires me to go that hard and i have to try it multiple times to get it i'm just not going to do it mm. but i'm just not i'm not a very good uh let's garnish that let's garnish that yeah what is that mean? like what has <laughs> Like <laughs> freaking food analogy. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is that? The, why is that sort of like your little like heuristic? Like, why is that your sort of your little like um, uh, addition to your style of training? Like, why? Why did you? Oof. Why did? You, why? Where did that come about? Right. In other words, and yeah. why is it? Why is it a characteristic of how you train? Because I see that in you. I do. I see it in you. There's definitely injuries. I know injuries and. And, uh, and bales happen past that marker pretty easily. Mm. And, um, oh, man, I don't know. I think that's just, uh, it's just, you know, what's that? The warrior versus warrior? <laughs> the warrior <laughs> versus warrior? Sports, sports team. Definitely on the warrior side for me. Yeah. So, you know, and I just like to stay in a, in a zone where I know I'm safe. And if, I, if it does require that, that much effort, I feel like I have to channel a warrior mindset. Mm. And, the warrior mindset just feels like it just takes too much takes out of me. And so if I need to become a warrior to do something at this point in my life, I just don't think it's too worth it. Because mm. I've done warrior things in the past, and I can kind of just coast on those ones. Mm. So I think it's maybe that you, you place more value on who you are as not an athlete. Maybe as a coach, as a person, as, yeah. you know, as a husband, as whatever. Right, is you as a person than you do as you as an athlete. 
and you know that like if you go for a jump and you shatter your legs, that affects <laughs> who you are as a person, right? That like like that prevents you from hanging out with friends and family. And yeah. That, like that affects these things, and you're like, I'm not willing to risk that stuff for what is a, a cool jump, right? Yeah. I also I, just think doing things at below seventy five seventy five percent is just more enjoyable. They can be too. Pretty cool. Like when it doesn't require so much effort. Um, yeah, it just feels it feels uh, more fulfilling to me. Just like, oh, I didn't have to try that hard, and I did something cool. So I like your I like your uh, approach. Um, and as a cat father, that's another role that he has. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, this is definitely. Who is the cat father? <laughs> so yeah, the, I can see that. Uh, what are the two names of your cats? Leviosa, uh, Evie. And Evie. Okay, good. Um, so for for a later time, we'll we'll establish yeah. their personas. I uh, I actually am programming right now the way that I do the the classes that I'm teaching for for adults in that way. They're supposed to work up to a skill. Let's say that we just finished cat leaps. They're supposed to work up to being able to do a good amount of volume of cat leaps at a seventy percent level of effort, right? Um, and I also understand that peop that's an arbitrary number because some people don't um, they like my like they either have like disconnected or like 100% level of effort. And, and being able to understand that in yourself is in self skill. Knowing what 70% is, mm -hmm. is actually a pretty good skill. Yep. It's, and especially if it's a new thing you're working on, then we, then, then we know. Um, what I hear, I think it might have something to do deeper with uh, just the way you approach things. What's your, your tattoo, what does it say again? Oh, even mind. Even mind. It's, true. it's very true. And so I would, I think you're, I was gonna say earlier that you're just too cool to go that hard, like the Fonz or something Dude, that's like that. Channels for but sure. that's like that totally channels what it is. Sure. I'm like, you don't want a high level effort because you don't want to look like you're trying that hard, even to yourself. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I find it really hard to to click with that like uh, that like screaming and getting you know a little worked up. Juji Mufu stretching methods. Yeah. yeah. Although Juji Mufu's different. His is like more. It's satirical. It's yeah. satirical. So yeah, yeah. I can I can relate to that one. But definitely the warrior. I just don't identify as a warrior mindset at all. I think a lot of athletes take themselves a little bit too seriously on mm -hmm. those realms, right? And this all that, or nothing mentality. Is that what we're talking about? Like willing to sacrifice any sacrifice anything at any given moment to get what's trying to yeah, be done. Yeah, I can see that. Is that to, what it is? A little to a bit, degree, but, but it's also like I feel like parkour athletes are it even when they come back from from a break are like one of the few athletes often are that feel like few athletes in terms of all the realms of like sports and athletics that feel like they always need to be performing at the 90 to a hundred percent. Yes. Right. And, and we know from, from just the vast amount of historical data of athletes that athletes experience the most amount of growth when they're training in the 60 to 80% range. Right. And that's where they go. And then occasionally, they test mm -hmm. into that 90, 95, 100% range to be like, am I actually growing? That's their mm -hmm. data gathering time, right? Is they, they jump up to those percentages and they're like, yep, I'm growing, cool. Now I have a new 60 to 80% range, right? Yeah. It's easiest with weightlifting because there's a literal number mm -hmm. that you, you work follow. with, right? Right, right? And within that, I think your guys' scale of effort um, or energy or what your, your readiness, if you mm -hmm. will, when you go into a workout is super important because if you're like, I have a workout that's programmed at 75% today, but I go into it and I slept, I slept terrible, work is stressing me out, I'm really freaking sore, mm -hmm. um, 
and maybe like I just, just my energy level is low, you're, those four, if you average those out on a one to 10 of each, are probably, you know, you're like a 4.5 out of 10. So maybe you're like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, instead of 75, I'm gonna do 65 today. And you're gonna feel it out, right? You can always vary within those ranges. Parkour is definitely harder because what is a 65% broad jump? You could, you could measure your broad jump and do mm -hmm. the math, but even then, if it's actually 60, sometimes it doesn't feel like that, It's so right? three-dimensional, it's so contextual. Oh, yeah. You change the elevation, you change the surface, you change the weather, you change the people around you, and that's gonna affect your number. It's not always sitting in the exact same place, doing the same you know, back squat in the gym you go to yep. every day. Oh man, it's with the, go with to the, the same gym. music. With the same music, it's gotta yeah, have the exactly. fat song on, or a song that pumps <laughs> you up, or what is like, yeah, you have the sniffing salts, or whatever the heck <laughs> people do, right? I, I want to give three, I think, things that I think about that as we've been having this conversation that, that I sort of do as assumptions. Now that I'm thinking, we're thinking about these assumptions and, and then and lay, and lay those out when I'm coming back. One is I'm typically using measure, uh, as a measure of this, I'm typically using my recovery. And this is a tough one because if you, you have to wait to know the answer, mm -hmm. that's what's hard. Mm -hmm. So when I get back into things, I'm, I'm working in like, a level of effort that does that I'm directly listening to my muscles like am I starting to like is something starting to spasm does something feel really like sometimes my hamstrings if I'm really sedentary I come back they'll get really like a really sharp like pain to them if I start doing a lot of jumps it feels very tight and like sharp and I know okay that's like them being like hey you know muscle tissue's not ready right that kind of thing I get that but really I'm looking for how two three days later am I handling recovery and that helps me understand um, the level of effort and volume that I can put into things. Two, um, so I would say if you go to day three or four and you don't have like severe delayed onset muscle soreness, then you can probably increase your volume a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I would say as a general rule of thumb is getting back into things, you don't, if it's your first week back into things or you have been sedentary, first couple weeks, I would say stay at 50% or less level of effort and I would cut your volume, meaning how often you train. If you normally do a two hour session or a one hour session, I just cut it in half. I cut everything in half hmm. for the first week or two and just see how the body responds. Is there inflammation coming into the, to the joints? Are the muscles able to recover and you're able to go back and do that? Does what you did at 50% now feel like 80% the next time you go in three or four days in and you probably went too hard on that first or second session, mm -hmm. all right? So just have some humility and listen and work on establishing that for the um, for the for the initial phase. What level of effort should be measured measured against for, for me is how hard it takes for me to get into a flow state, right? So if I'm going, I'm training, and I feel like I'm humming. I'm not. I think it's a bit cliche, but I think most people know what we're talking about the 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 idea of of effortless training. All right, meaning. I go into it and you and there's a hum to things, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're lifting and it's no longer you're not thinking about what you have to do afterwards, so make sure you eat beforehand because one of my biggest distractions ironically when I'm trying to get back into things and I'm just a little like a little lazy is thinking about tacos afterwards. Like I'm serious, this may be one of my <laughs> biggest barriers is it's um, like I remember going to a yoga class one time because I was like, "Well, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to this is an off day. I'm just going to work in. So I'm going to try some yogs out." And I go in and get into the yoga class, and for some reason, like tacos pop up in my head, and I am just excruciatingly thinking about tacos. I'm like salivating in there, and like they're like, and then breathe, and I'm just like, tacos. Dude, right? I, I'll eat like literal kilograms of food in a day, and 
I don't suffer from that problem. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I eat. Yeah. I eat a lot. Right, but if I, I won't, from I won't eat enough. Like, for me, it's eating enough. Like, I have to get those calories in, and sometimes I get excited about a day of training, and I forget to eat, and I, and, or like, I just don't mm. eat enough, and then I get to my training session, and I'm getting into it, and then all of a sudden I remember I didn't eat enough earlier in the day. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't hit, like, 1,500 calories before training midday or something like that. Definitely be times when I'm like, are you kidding me? He's going to leave right now to get food. Oh, that's the that's the worst part of like traveling and training with Travis. <laughs> it's, it's like well, you get a group of people that are like, oh yeah, let's go train, and then I'll be like, where's Travis? Travis is here. When was the last time Travis ate? Um, this Gotta morning. feed you, Travis. Yep. He hasn't eaten. Um, no, let's uh, maybe let's do in a couple of hours because I know we're gonna get to the spot. We're gonna start warming up. Travis is gonna be like, I'm gonna go get some coffee. Yeah. And then we're going to move to a different spot. Then he's going to text me. He's going to be like, where are you guys at? And I'm going to be like, we're here. And he's going to be like, where's that? And then I'm going to send him a pin. And then he's going to meander his way there <laughs> with right. his tacos. And then by the time he gets there, we already moved on. It's just a pain. So he's got to eat before Did, he trains. Yeah, you got to And you've got to bring an extra, like, a snack pack yep. taco in the backpack. Yeah, yes. And, and it won't, the, 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 like, bars and stuff just don't work for me. It's just They're like awful. a teaser. They're just torture. I don't want any of that. That is not enough for me. So, <laughs> but anyways, what was your third? I think you had. So the so the second one was was what can I operate in where I have that? Um, yeah, like I know you're saying cringy flow state, and if I can get that's where I really my goal is when I get back is not necessarily to hit what I was hitting before, but to get back in that mindset of training where it's where it's the effortless training. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Number the then the last one is respect the process. And that is that understanding that the fact of the matter is, I, in a, in a global sense, experience the most growth where the vast majority of my time is spent working at that, doing work at that 60 to 80% level of effort, and then letting opportunities for um, like periods of acceleration or growth to occur naturally that are outside of that realm. So maybe I have like, slip into a comp, maybe I have a challenge. Sometimes it's, it feels like some of the biggest ones of me have been for an off day where I just felt squirrely. Like a lot of my personal records, my PRs were done on off days that was a weekend that was supposed to be super casual around Thanksgiving, where again, I'm not worried about eating enough. So then I go into the gym and like, I think one of my most recent like, like records on lifts was done just when I was like spotting my wife Candy, she was doing some, some training and I was just like sitting behind her just doing a warm up and then I'd spot her and then I'd just throw some more weight on and then I just do it again. It was just so casual. That's then I get that and I was like, Oh, that was awesome. If I would have come in today and I would have been like, I'm gonna hit my best, you know, record, my PR on this, I would not I would have psyched myself out. I don't know if the cortisol would have kicked in or whatever, <laughs> but there has to be it has to be of the moment. And that's so I just sit and sort of it's like fishing or hunting or, or something like that where I sort of operate at about 60 to 80 percent and then i just wait for the right opportunity to sort of emerge and let sort of circumstance sort of drive that but that's just like a philosophical thing for me but it helps me tamp down my expectations of myself because i'm like oh man i haven't pr'd in a while i haven't hit something big in a while i haven't seen obvious growth in a while and then i tell myself hey just wait you just wait for the wait for the right time and then kill it because you'll be in the best condition for it yeah. Well, because it's it, most of what we do as parkour athletes is, is neurological, right? Yes. So you have to be in the right mindset to get that neurological boost. Because the truth is, you can have the most powerful quads, but if your CNS is dead as a doornail, mm -hmm. like you could be like, "Hey, jump!" 
and then your quads are like, fire! Yeah. <laughs> right? But you're like, wait, no, that was delayed. That was too late, right? And so, yeah, I mean, you gotta, if, if you wanna perform at your best, you can't go out there and be like, today I perform at my best, because it just doesn't work like that. You know, you, you have to almost wait for it. So I like the idea of like, when you're getting back into it, measure your, the success of your training by figuring out how you can get back into that state that you perform the best of, yeah. right? Like, that's your goal. Your goal mm -hmm. isn't to lift the heaviest, to jump the farthest, to run the fastest. Your goal is just, how do I get to that state and stay there as long as I need to for the duration of my training session? And that's my goal. Whether mm -hmm. that's 50% or 90% of, of total effort, that state is what I need to be in, right? And so, one, I, I think that I, uh, I will, Again, I've been watching Avatar again because it's back on Netflix. Yep. Yeah, and I knew that it. they were going to put it back on Netflix because they're getting ready to drop a new Netflix? series. I feel like this is the first time it's been on Netflix. Oh, you're right. right? It, might, it might have never been on Netflix. I, think, it was ever I on think the actual like movie that we don't speak of <laughs> was on Net Netflix, <laughs> but not, we're not talking about that. So they're going to be releasing a new series. And I think they put this on as a precursor to warm people up for it. Because we went and we bought it on the Nickelodeon streaming service. And I was like, well, let's just watch it here. But don't worry, it'll be on Netflix because they're going to launch new things. So they'll surely bring this on beforehand. And they have. So we've been watching that. But I was like, what do they call it? In um, Actually, this was Korra. Harmonic Convergence, right? Yeah. yeah that was Korra. And so I think that's really maybe, instead of saying flow, can, I'm just going to say Harmonic Convergence I like from that. now on. I like that. We can, we can have a topic, too, on whether or not. Oh, yeah. Korra or Aang is a better avatar on a, on a different No one episode. will agree with us. No <laughs> one will agree with us, but you got some people solid. the homework. Get out there if you have not watched Avatar Last Airbender. It's on Netflix. Everyone has Netflix if you have access to the internet. And if not, you have a friend. You need to watch it. So mm -hmm. many life lessons. Like, I would it's say both that... Both are amazing yep. series. Like, the, yeah, there's, there's no so bashing much, Yeah, there's one. no bashing on either one. You're probably better off if you've got, like, youth-age kids, like, six to, like... 10 you're probably better off starting with um we should both start with with ang and like the last airbender right but that one is definitely the precursor mm -hmm. and then more pre-teen teen sort of like not adult topics yeah some more adult topics some more adult topic. is cora and the writing there you know works perfect there's so many good lessons in there we can all we can all strive to relate to those characters it's 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 a wonderful series for people just to actually focus on less life lessons and values and stuff. It is. So we're gonna leave that. That's your that's your homework, right? <laughs> you know, go watch some some Nickelodeon anime, basically. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. But before we start to wrap up, I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I no, I don't want to cut you short. Colin's over um, here waving at me for time. I think we just get a clock over here and make an agreement. He's, he's told to wave at us for time. Oh. That's part of his job. I don't know which the hand he's, signals are. But this is just means quarterback that's you're lost. close to the time. It just, it don't let it rush you. Don't okay. Let it stress you out. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just so letting so you know. He's just giving you data. I know. Justin is like he's like a dog where you put like the food in front of him and he's like, can I eat it now? Can you know? Can you know? Anyways, so if you're if you're getting back into training, I, uh, you've got time. Don't rush it. I think yeah. is, is kind of the big thing here is like you don't you have to come back at, at the same point, and it's super important to remember that regardless of whether you're coming back or you're actively training, all of the effort that you put in always has a delayed payout, right? It's it's the the your merchant account doesn't pay out for a week after you've received the pay. Okay, <laughs> so right. you put in the effort, right. you, you you make the money, you do the you know you you, do, you put in the work. It doesn't come immediately. It's not right? direct deposit. And in fact, just recently, I had one of my clients 
on like a like we were focused on the back squat on like mm. improving back squat total number and comfort around that right and he finishes that at the end of it we have or near the end of it we have a test retest for, to see what his max is he improves his max by a pretty significant margin which i knew he was going to do but here's the cool thing is he's like he comes out of it and he's like that was awesome that was super cool we move into another cycle we have a little like a bridge cycle that's like a week long and then we move into another cycle that's focused on upper body pull strength. And halfway in, I have a stabilized day where he's doing a three rep max for back squat, right? And we're not testing the number. I was just like, hey, just get under something heavy based on how you're feeling that day. Whatever heavy is for you that day, that's all we're looking for. Increases his max on his back squat by the same margin of the first cycle. Mm. And there's almost three weeks between the last that's cycle super and rare. this, right? Usually you have diminishing returns as you work through a as you work through, like, well, the gains yeah. get harder. The gains get the harder. The gains get harder. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Um, and we knew the first one was like, I knew that was a gimme because he just hadn't done a cycle on back squat yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that was going to go up. But the second one is super cool and, and just goes to show you that, like, it takes time for those adaptations to catch up. So yeah. if you're training, even if you're training at 50%, you finish your sessions, you're like, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I accomplished much, but I moved. Even if you do that for a long time, two weeks after you've taken a rest, and you've done something else and you've moved on, you'll see the effects of those. Mm. So don't feel like I need to see results at the end of every session or a couple of days after. I lift really heavy, I rest a couple of days, and then I come, I should see an improvement on, on my, my jumps. You know what I mean? It doesn't work like that. It takes time and you'll see the results later. In fact, most of the time it comes- At the end of like a deloading Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you're getting back into parkour, take it slow. If you're currently into moving, um, it, it might actually help you to, to maybe hire a coach to do that on-ramping for mm -hmm. you. Um, then you don't have to do any program. Sometimes that's nice. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick as we, as we wrap things up. Um, let's take a moment to talk about the value of guidance coming back into something when you haven't been doing it for a while. Um, and sort of making sure that you have the right expectations, you have somebody helping you see what what you could do before and sort of how to get back into that because i think a lot of times we have like we have kiddos or new athletes one we have we have new athletes who have very high expectations about what they're going to get in a very short amount of time and they have multiple goals that are all worthy goals but they're pretty big goals like someone coming like oh you know i want to learn how to do a lache i want to learn how to do a backflip and i want to learn how to do a cat to cat on the wall and i expect to have six feet on that and have all these goals coming in as as a as a new fresh learner and i always look at that with excitement but also look at it a little bit too with realism in that i, I it's going to be hard to achieve all those things at once right so so there's that mindset and there's also the mindset of returning to things and expecting to get exactly what you had before what do you do to shore things up early on um and make sure that you have some guidance through that process. And I think that having a coach for that, like you were saying, oh, you had one of your one of your clients who's like does one-on-one -on -one work with you, well, you were able to sort of help them temper those expectations and give them a process, you know, sort of bring them back up to speed. That's been a big learning curve for most of them, actually. It's, I'm like, just do the work that I prescribe, don't do extra. Because mm -hmm. they'll finish the set and they'll be like, ah, oh, well, I feel good, I wanna do more. Don't do more. And we talked about this on the student thing. Just do what your coach tells you. Mm -hmm. you, you trust that your coach knows the process. Um, trust yeah, the process. Trust the process. Respect. Respect the process. The process. Mm -hmm. I think it 
I think it's super important. Sometimes if you're, if you're getting back into it and you don't know these things already or you don't have kind of an idea, it's worth coming to, to an expert in the field and saying, hey, uh, I'm on a break. I'm trying to get back into it. What do I need to do and help me get that process? And then you can always look at what they're doing. You know, if I hire Justin to do my on-ramp stuff, I can always look at what he's programming for me and, and ask him about it. Be like, why did you program this way? And he'll be like, oh, here's why, right? Like no no res respectable coach or self-respecting coach is going to be like, no, I'm not going to tell you the secrets of my way. Right. Like, but I hired you mm -hmm. to do this for me. Right. So always, like it's okay. Like get it and ask why. And they'll explain it to you. And then now you know for next time, here's why. Mm -hmm. So I, Maybe not why in between every set. <laughs> well, yeah, why is the yeah. weight increasing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Maybe before the workout. Yeah, before the workout. What is the, what's our goals? Why are, we, why are we working? And that's a good thing too because sometimes, like, even if your coach is competent, it can remind them that they do need a process, and there's a um, there's some respect for that. And I think we've learned this a lot with some of our students coming back. One of the um, advantages or the ways that we turn adversity into opportunity when it came to the uh, the Corona, you know, essential slowdown of classes and whatnot was coming back in, you know, give, give it, allowing students the opportunity to have some individual sessions to check in with where they're at, see what their goals are, and if they've been inactive for a while, bringing them, bringing them back up to speed on skills that they're working towards. There's tremendous value in like having a few one-on-one -on -one sessions before getting back into like the full pace of what you were operating at before. You know, if you've been taking classes for six months or a year and then you stop for several months, it's really, it's really, you do a checkup to make sure yep. that, that you get your skills back in a safe way. And it can be emotionally frustrating if you had something and then you were forced to sit at home, you know, with your brothers and sisters or alone for, you know, or stay home from work and you don't even get the movement in of walking around in the office, you're at home for a period of time even just a few days of that or two weeks of that, if it's very sedentary, it could be detrimental to the way that, that you move and can set you up for risk for um, both injury and then psych the psychological effect of not being able to perform anywhere near um, where you were. But yep. some of strength is, most of strength is neurological and that means that uh, it is in some degree, to some degree like riding a bicycle where, you know, if you've been there once that, you know, the mapping is already there. You can get back to it much, much faster. Don't think you've lost stuff forever. And some of the best ways to do that is to tackle um, some one-on-one -on -one skills with with a coach. Yeah, well, just because they're going to be able to temper that, that speed for you, mm -hmm. right? And they're going to be able to tweak things. If you need more time on something, they'll be able to focus on that. I mean, how many of our members coming out of the – I like the – COVID slowdown, mm -hmm. shutdown has like a negative connotation. Well, we didn't we shut didn't down stop, so. completely. We, um, we reached out to people in other ways. But like how many of our members, Justin, did the, the lab sessions, which is what we call them now, and came back when we started doing group classes again and were like, we really wanted to do group classes, but they loved doing yeah. the lab yeah. sessions. So how do we fold that back into our memberships, right? Because they saw the value of not only is the learning faster paced, but the connection between yeah. the coach and the student is just so much stronger when it's just the two of you. Yeah, even because kids have a lot of uh, other uh, barriers to entry too. I think a lot of them were nervous to come back too. Um, so getting that one-on-one, -on -one, uh, I think for the both the coach and the student was uh, a slower transition back to, you know, jumping in and 
jumping in. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it is. It's a good. Uh, it's a good ramp up. And if we're talking about levels of efforts and uh, getting yourself back in, you know, yeah, I really love the one on ones and um, and even the video reviews. If we had even a slower curve, it was like those video check ins, the one on one small groups, and then group classes. That's that's a pretty good ramp. I mm -hmm. think pretty good yeah. path back to, you know, your. Uh, your monkey ways so <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we definitely have people swing in in no time and we put some new bars in so that was yeah. also that was also helpful so the yeah I think that the clear path for someone who's really wants to get back into things they first need to acknowledge that if they've been sedentary in any way there is they need to sort of incrementally bring that back up and then also to yeah try and get some um, some one-on-one -on -one time with a coach before jumping back in to where you were mm -hmm. before or just to be introduced to things um, and any changes, and then getting back into those group classes, and then deciding at that point, you know, do you also do you want to continue to do some of those? Because what we've started to do now is offer uh, for folks the ability to sort of do group classes and then have some regular one-on-one -on -one time yeah. with a coach. I think that's wise. And then there are some students who have just decided that that's just the way they prefer to train. They're very <laughs> independent and they can yeah. do their they can do the work on their own. So they're very they're very interested in that. So they they do their training um, one on one exclusively. There are some that have just moved that direction, which is fine. Not everybody maybe wants to do that because there there's community value and coaching and whatnot and group. But knowing that that's an option and that you can you can grow from that too and it's available. It's a powerful tool. Handy. It's you don't have to use it all the time, but you should strongly consider if you're coming back mm -hmm. leveraging that tool. Yep to accelerate that and prevent injury, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. just generally enjoy the sport and movement. And then we've had some people come back who just even on their onboarding sessions um, were able to achieve things that they hadn't done before, but just that individual focus and time was, yeah. was, was, was all they needed to sort of get over a hump. So if they were blocked on a move and like a band challenge or some sort of goal that they had, they were able to you know, really get past that in a few sessions because that was maybe more of a mental barrier for them, not just coming back, but just like, oh, when I was here, this is what was holding me up and getting the chance to go in and, and work on that with a coach was very good for, very good for them mentally. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think on that note, I think we're going to call it for today. Yeah. A lot of good info on there for you guys getting back into training or for those of you that are training, but maybe not training at the same capacity that you want, how to kind of ramp that, that intensity up or that focus. Mm -hmm. So very good All thanks right, for guys. tuning in guys we appreciate it and we will see you next time next episode watch avatar <laughs> yes